0: Yeah, we have a go for auto sequence start. Seven, six, eight, two, one, boost and lift off. Good morning. morning! Welcome to River Community Church. My name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to tell you about a guy named Eugene Scheifelin. It's a weird name. Uh, Eugene Scheiflin was a man who also had an interesting thing that he cared about. He cared about Shakespeare. Who cares about Shakespeare? This guy loved Shakespeare. He was all about Shakespeare. And, and he lived in New York City and, and he had this thing where he just was so in love with it. He thought it would be amazing to feel like he was in one of Shakespeare's plays, like everyday life. So he, he read the, the story, the, the play Henry the VI, and he saw how in the book of Shakespeare there were, there were these birds that they would see looking out their window called starlings. This is what they look like. They look like this. Um, and he thought to himself, man, it would be amazing if here in New York City and in Central Park I could look out my window and I could see some starlings like I was in one of Shakespeare's plays. Great idea, right? It'd be amazing. So he enlists the help of some scientific people, some bird enthusiasts, and they get all excited about this. We, we should bring the starlings from Europe over here to America, introduce them there. We could like be in one of Shakespeare's plays. It'd be incredible. It'd be amazing. And so they do this. The, some sciencey guys and, and this guy, Eugene, they, they take these starlings, and a couple at a time, over the course of two years, they release a hundred of these starlings into the, into the Central Park. What could go wrong? Uh, Everything could go wrong. For starters, these things are now numbering 200 million in the United States. And they're a nuisance. They're awful. They ravage crops. They've caused plane engines to fail. They look like this. Yay. (laughs) That's crazy, right? Isn't that nuts? That's wild. This is the law of unintended consequences unintended consequences when you set out on a mission when you decide to do something new there is this unavoidable truth you cannot predict the unintended consequences you just can't it's not possible there are going to be unintended consequences Today, we're finishing up our series called Impact. We've been talking all series, series long about how we can be impacted by Jesus and how we can then have an impact on others in our community and beyond by being impacted by Jesus, basically, and how we can extend that outward. And, and as we close out, as we set out this and finish out this, this series, and we talk about the, the mission that we started talking about a couple weeks back that's gonna become the mission statement for RCC to represent Jesus well, As we think about that, there is this sneaky question lingering in the back of my mind. What if it backfires? What if we fail? What if it's just another case of the the starlings? Today, we're going to anticipate three ways that we could fail. Three ways we could experience negative, unintended consequences while pursuing the mission of representing Jesus well. And then, then we're going to address what we'll do to ensure that those things don't happen. You ready? Everybody, nod your heads with me. Are you with me? All right. Haven't put you to sleep yet. Good. All right. All right. So here's the thing. The first one for me, it's the kind of thing, it's, it's a big one for me. It's the kind of thing that, that's so anti-Jesus, so anti-our church culture that, that I'm just going to call it out as simple and strong of words as I can. The mission of representing Jesus well will fail if we pretend, if we put performance over substance, in short, if we fake it. If this has ever happened to you. You're, you're out in conversation. Maybe you're walking down the street. You happen on some friends. You start having this, this enjoyable conversation, chatting it up, laughing it up. It's really fun and enjoyable. And then all of a sudden, the conversation kind of finishes up, and you and one of the two people walk away. You're just walking on, and all of a sudden, one of those two people, or that person that's with you, leans over and begins to whisper something in your ear. And you think you heard him right, but it's just weird. It's just confusing. So you're like, "What? what did you say? And they lean back over to you and whisper into your ear, and they're saying something really nasty and mean about the person you were just with. Has that ever happened to you before? Yes. It's the worst. It's the worst. It stinks, right? Then you then have to figure out how you're going to react. Like, what do you say in that moment? You thought it was all nice and good and great. They're apparently like really fun friends. Like two seconds ago, they're yucking it up, having a good time. But apparently there's some bad blood there and it was just a big show they were putting on. And now you don't know what that person will say about you when they walk away from you with someone else. It's not fun. It's, It's not good. They're faking it. Or how about this? You're, you're chatting up with somebody and, and they have this demeanor. They say all the right things. They sound so smart. They sound so good. They even kind of sound, with the words that they use, they, they sound holy. Like they're a really good person. But, but something about it just feels insincere. Like it's, like it's them putting up a front. Like, Like the person who's saying what they're saying are only saying it because they think it's what everybody else wants to hear. And it rings hollow, it doesn't feel real and for some reason you can just tell. Have you ever experienced that before? If our mission as a church is to represent Jesus well, we cannot ever begin to think that the image we put out for the rest of the world to see is more important than the substance inside us that is who we are. To represent Jesus well, we as a church will need to be grittier. We'll need to be more honest. We can't be a shell of a church. Really pretty on the outside, looks great, awesome, but when you get at the core, it's like, that's just not real. That's not what I thought it was. We have to be who we we really are. But, but I get it, by the way. I get it. I, I understand. I get why we do it. There are all these things in the Bible about how we should care for people or how we should be gentle and we should be peaceful and we should be joyful and we should be patient and, and all of these things. Like There are actual lists. It's tempting to try and impress people by putting on a front, filling out these things, right? Like being these things, pretending to be these things or, or to do it because even we're afraid of what would happen if we don't. With that in mind, here's my my biggest theological principle for the day. Are you ready for it? Here it is. It's it's better to be honest than to should yourself to death. You can laugh. It's a little weird. It sounds funky. It's okay. Uh, Don't go shoulding yourself to death. We can be good. We can be so good at piling up those shoulds. I should do this. I should do that. The Bible says I should go over and do this, and then I should do that after that, and then I should really make sure that I take care of this person and that person, and also I should make sure I'm smiling while I'm doing it. There's all of these things that we should do. You can stack up a thousand shoulds in the Bible, but hear this. That's not what the Bible is actually teaching us to do. God is not calling us to do things out of fear of not measuring up. God is calling us to do things because we know his love. It says that in 1 John 4, it says, such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. It's not about stacking up the shoulds. It's about having a changed heart by the way way we're experiencing God's love. Romans talks about this. Paul wrote Romans to the Roman church. And in Romans 12, it's this perfect example of this tension because there's two things going on. It gives you plenty of things that you should do, but not by trying harder. It's by being transformed by God's love and Jesus' way of thinking. In Romans 12, 2, it says this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, don't fake it. Don't pretend. Instead, be transformed. There's a change inside that's supposed to happen. Be transformed by changing the way you think. Imitate Jesus. Get to know Jesus and when you're around him, you'll become more like him. Be his apprentice. Excuse me, be his apprentice. Experience his self-sacrificing love and then begin to think like he thinks. That's how your heart gets changed. It's how what it says just a few verses later can be true. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It has to be genuine. Genuine this represent Jesus well mission of ours it's going to have to come from an honest genuine place if it's ever to get the outcome that we're desiring it to have when we fake it or pretend all that ever really happens is that we lose trust we set ourselves up for unrealistic expectations We we confirm the assumption of of so many people that aren't Christians looking in that Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Like when we're not genuine, they just have that thought confirmed. And I read some research this last week. Like That's that's what people think. If you're not a Christian, you're looking in. That's the first thing that people will say. And so when we're trying to represent Jesus, well, in, in a way that's combating that belief. People aren't looking for any of us to have it all together. That's not why they call it a hypocrite. They're looking for you and me to have a hope that gets us through and a hope that helps us grow. So if you're going to represent Jesus well, with the impact we desire, we'll need to be honest and transparent, not pretending or faking. We'll need to point to Jesus's goodness over our own. Now, there's, there's another side, another angle to this faking it thing. Sometimes people put on a show in certain parts of their lives and, and leave out other parts. It's what happens when, one, when you're one person in one place, like you're at church or you're at home, and then, and then you go to work or you go to school or you go out with friends, and you become an entirely different person. You ever experienced that? Nod your heads. Yes, you're with me. Okay. Quick clarification about that. This does not mean that you can't be different in those places. Some people are like, you gotta be the same exact person all the time. That's not true, that's not feasible. Some people think you have to have the same demeanor everywhere. Having the same demeanor is not feasible. For example, I do not talk to to the staff team here at RCC like I would talk to my two-year-old at home, right? Those are two different things. Like my two-year-old at home, I'll be like, hey, buddy, you gotta eat this carrot. That's how you get this treat. If you don't eat this carrot, you don't get this treat. If I did that out here, it'd be a little weird, right? (laughs) I don't walk into my office with that demeanor. When I step through those doors, my demeanor changes and adjusts to the role I have here. That's okay. You can still step into your role on the job site and continue to represent Jesus well and not fake it, here's what that means. Your demeanor might change, but your values don't. You still treat people with respect. You still have honesty as a core value. You still serve like Jesus teaches us to serve. Because whether you like it or not, since you believe in and follow Jesus, you represent him and how you treat other people matters. If you back up a few verses in Romans 12, it says this. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When this verse talks about offering your bodies, it's talking about your whole self. It means all of you not faking it with any part of your life. That's number one. That's number one. That's the first way we could fail at this mission of representing Jesus well if, if, if we're not careful. We could fake it, and that's what would happen. The second, you ready for number two? Let's keep nodding. Yeah, you're with us. All right, good. All right, second way that the mission could fail is this. If we believe we have the corner on what representing Jesus well looks like, Romans 12, again, says it better than I can. It says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Even 2,000 years ago, Paul, the guy who wrote Romans, he knew we would struggle with getting along. (laughs) And he knew why and how we would struggle to get along. He knew the reasons way back then, about 2,000 years ago. He knew that we would struggle to get along because we'd either think we were better than other people or we'd think we know it all. So better said, the second way the mission can fail is if we think we know it all. We don't have the corner on this Jesus following thing. In fact, even in this church, like right here in this church, there are tons of different perspectives on what that looks like. And if if we're gonna walk, if we're walking around acting like we know it all, we're gonna miss out. I've had this happen to me so many times and it's my bad. Um, Somebody will be talking and, and they'll be giving their opinion. They'll be talking about something that they think. And then me, thinking I know it all, We'll do this thing. Maybe you've experienced this before. This is what I do. It stinks. I'll say, well, actually, <laughs> have you had that happen? Actually, this is the way it is. Actually, did you know that this is the truth? Or actually, that word actually, that was my best like nerdy voice. Did it work? I'm just curious. Maybe. Okay. Some of you are like, no, try again. <laughs> But this is what I I do, right? I jump in, feeling like I'm smart, feeling like I know something. I say, well, actually, did you know? And then what happens? They shut down. They stop engaging. They no longer offer their opinion or their perspective. And I miss out. I miss out. Now, don't hear me say you can't disagree with people or you have to compromise what you believe. That's not what I'm saying. Disagreements are great. They're opportunities for new and deeper understanding. It's also great to have strongly held opinions. That's amazing. Please have strongly held opinions. You should be convinced of your opinions. That's a good idea to do, like do the research, figure it out and be convinced. You just can't be certain you're completely right about every part of it. You have to leave room for, oh, I didn't know that yet. Or I wanna hear what you think and why you think the way you do. I wanna hear, like tell me, I wanna understand you better. Or, or, oh, that's interesting. I don't agree, but I understand you better now, and I'm grateful for that. The easiest way to show someone that you're insecure is by telling them how bad of a person they are for believing what they believe. If they believe something that you don't agree with and you feel threatened, that's what happens. Fighting words. Here's the crazy thing. If you survey the church here, our church, like right in this room, like we're right here together, right? If you surveyed this church, like the people sitting right next to you, just take a moment, wave to the people next to you. Don't you know, say anything, just wave. Hi, they're nice people, I promise. You're not gonna bite. Half of you guys did it. Come on, one more time, wave. If you're online, say hello and type hello. If you were to survey those people you just waved to, you know what would happen? You know what you'd find? You'd find that they believe something different than you about a whole host of things like parenting. Some of you this whole time have been judging me for the carrot and treat thing. Like you think I'm a bad parent. <laughs> I know, I saw it in your faces. I'll just say like you don't have three kids yet maybe or you do and you're just a better parent, that's fine. <laughs> but you may have different parenting ideas, right? Or, or maybe it's this, you, like next week you're voting maybe there's like elections happening pretty soon here in November, right? Uh, The person next to you might vote differently than you. That's okay. You're like, no, it's not, get out. (laughs) But it's seriously, it's okay. And yes, even how we represent Jesus wow, there are going to be different opinions about what that looks like and why. And guys, that's good. We have the same goal, so we're going to rub up against each other, kind of push each other a little bit, and we will all draw closer to a central point of trying our best to represent Jesus well. And you might get a little offended, and then you'll forgive, and that's amazing. That's the goal. That's good for our church. We'll get closer to that goal, not having everybody think the way you do. That's not the goal. We get to be here in this room and worship God together. We get to follow Jesus together in spite of our differing opinions, and that's awesome. We don't know it all. If our mission of representing Jesus well is going to have success, we can't think we know it all, and we can't think we're better than anyone else. So, no faking it, and no thinking we know it all. If we do either of those, we're bound to have some unintended negative consequences. Are you ready for the last one? Shaking heads? Yeah, all right. We're still with me. Good. Last one is this. You neglect your foundation. We will fail at our mission to represent Jesus well if we neglect having a good and solid and firm foundation. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Trees do it. So do skyscrapers. I'm curious, have any of you traveled down to Chicago and gone up to the top of Willis Tower? I think it used to be called Sears Tower. Any, yes, lots of hands. Did any of you keep your hands raised, step out on the glass that looks like this? Any of you? Y'all are nuts. You guys are crazy. I don't understand you. Look at what they're looking down at. Look down. That's, I can't even imagine. That's freaking, guys, Like when you're at the bottom of it, it looks huge, but when you look up, it looks like a twig, and you're in the windy city, people. Like, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't compute. And yet, it's completely safe, isn't it? Nobody's died there, like, they're all fine. They've walked out, they've walked back, it's been okay. We don't hear of skyscrapers blowing over from the wind very often, do we? Why? Why not? Because special machines, before the building is ever even built, drive down into the ground these metal beams. They drive them all the way down, up to 250 feet deep sometimes, until they reach something called bedrock. Bedrock is the solid rock underneath the loose layer of soil above it. Trees do the same thing. For as tall as a tree is, there's a a mirror image below it of, of roots that stretch as wide and as deep as they can go, often mirroring what's on top so that they have a firm foundation. It's how they withstand the pressures of this world. The bottom line is this. You need, and we all need, a solid foundation. Without a solid foundation, the mission of representing Jesus well will backfire because character requires a strong foundation. Because this is not about our actions. This is about where those actions come from. When we don't have solid roots or when we try to load too much on on a foundation that is not yet strong enough, we find ourselves falling and not fun things happening because of it. It says this in Colossians 2 7 it says let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness built on Jesus so how do we have deep roots how does it happen how do we have a strong foundation the answer to this question, if you go to a seminar, it actually can be really complex. There's a million different opinions about this exact idea. It's called spiritual formation. And people have a million opinions about it. But, but I'm going to be and give as straight and as simple and as clear of an answer as I can. Think of it this way. Your foundation is, is like an iceberg. Right, have you ever seen this picture of an iceberg? Yes, you've seen this before? It's like an iceberg. It's everything under the surface that results in what people see above the surface. It's the faith that leads to the prayer that no one sees or hears. It's the Bible reading that changes the way you think about different topics or ideas. It's the people in your life that you spend time with that encourage you to to follow Jesus more fully, to understand Jesus more fully. And not only that, you spend time with them. They actually try to practice it themselves, and you can learn from them. It's the church services you show up to, like this morning, right, where you are encouraged through worship and community and teaching. Discipleship, it's a church word that that it's all about having a foundation and then living it out, it's not only growing head knowledge, it's not only having a special internal relationship with God, and it's not just about doing the right things either. It's all of that. It's all of it put together. To be a disciple is to be an apprentice of Jesus with other people. It's the practice of imitating him. It's, it's being his ambassador. It's to represent Jesus well the very best you can as part of a community of people that are trying to do the exact same thing as you are. And we're all trying to do it the best we can. If you want a sports metaphor, like we're getting close to the pack game, you want to watch football, you want to think about that, it's this. It's to, to watch the tape. It's to study the plays. It's to listen to the coaching. It's to cheer on and be encouraged by your teammates. It's to show up to the practices. It's to step out on that field or on that court or whatever the surface is and give it everything you've got. If we neglect our foundation, we might look good for a while. We might sprout out, look amazing, but not have deep roots. And if that happens, the mission will ultimately fail because we won't be able to hold it up. There we have it. That's it, three things, three ways we could fail. We could fake it, we could think we know it all, and we could lack a solid foundation. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? In 1928, Dr. Alexander Fleming returned home from a holiday. Uh, He had been studying different bacteria, so he had grown some bacteria in different Petri dishes. And when he returned home, he found in one of those petri dishes that, that some mold had found its way into the petri dish. And as he looked at it and examined it a little closer, he he was curious about something. The bacteria stopped growing where the mold had been, or where the mold was. The mold kept the bacteria from growing any further. This this story, this is the beginning of the story of how penicillin was discovered. It's interesting. Penicillin was discovered in 1928. It's this miracle drug. It's credited with saving millions and millions of lives, especially in World War II. It, It may have been discovered in 1928, but it took all the way until 1945 for it to become available to the masses. This is another case of unintended consequences, isn't it? Except this time it's good. This time it's good. This time it results in a world-changing scientific discovery for the better. But here's the catch. It took time. It took time. It took effort. It took mistakes and challenges and overcoming those obstacles because there was a lot of them. We have something so good here. This church, God is working through this church in amazing ways to reach people with this message of hope in Jesus. And I'm convinced that he's going to continue to do exactly that. He's gonna continue to do it as we do our very best to represent Jesus well. And just so you know, we're going to have unintended consequences as we follow this mission. But here's what we can make sure is the case. We can make sure that the consequences that come from us are from having deep roots, a deep foundation in God. That the consequences come from from us having humility, Knowing we we don't know it all and knowing we're together in all this and knowing we're not better than anybody else. The consequences can come from having a, a genuine faith, not a fake it kind. Unintended consequences can be great if what we're growing is good at its core. They produce pleasant surprise consequences. Wouldn't that be a great name? Pleasant surprise consequences, the kind of unintended consequences that look like people asking you about your faith. People seeing your character and wondering where it came from. People trusting you because you're good on your word. People having a changed perspective of who Jesus is because of how you live and act. That's good stuff. While I was talking this morning, I'm guessing that there was one of these. One of these that hits you a little harder. Maybe it was, I, I sometimes put on a show, not proud of it, but I kind of put on a show and it doesn't really impact my whole life. I kind of fake it sometimes. Or, or maybe it was, I sometimes act like I know it all and when someone disagrees with me, I just shut them out. <laughs> Not good, I know. Or maybe it was, man, I'm trying to do all the good things, but I don't feel like I'm saying anything solid and I need something solid in my life. Could be any of those three. But whichever one it is, as we pray to finish up here, I'm gonna encourage you to take on that one. To take that one and say this week, I'm gonna to ask to God to help me be more genuine. I'm gonna ask God to help me know I don't know it all and be open and, and not feel like I have to change what I believe but be willing to talk to other people. Or, or to just begin to grow a foundation that is rooted in what the Bible says and in prayer and, and being around other people who are trying their best to follow Jesus. And so whichever one of those it is for you, take that this week. We'll pray and we'll ask God to help us to do that. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you that you are a good God who loves us so dearly. Thank you that you are gentle with us when we think we've got it all together, when we think we know it all, when we, when we maybe put on a bit of a show, and even when we try to go beyond what our foundation would say we should go. God, I ask that you would help us. Whichever one of those this morning hits us the hardest, God, help us to take that one on this week, to be genuine, to be humble, and God, to to trust you with your foundation. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.